And we are back with Backlist and Chill. I am Ollie from near Philadelphia. I'm Cinna from Ohio. And this is season seven. We are talking Holly Black. We're on the third and final book of her original trilogy, The Modern Fairy Tales. This is Ironside. We've made it to the end, Ollie. I can't believe it. It feels like we were never going to get there. Does it? Yeah. Like, this month has been so long, I just didn't know when we were going to talk about it. Oh, that's fair. I thought you meant, like, the series was dragging out, and I was like, (gasps) no. No, no, the series was definitely not dragging. Good. So what are you drinking? Well, as this is me, I'm drinking absinthe. Oh, you know what? I don't even know why I phrased it in such a way that it was actually a question. (laughs) (laughs) It's more like, so what are you calling your absinthe today? (laughs) You know, what did you put in your absinthe? Is it cold or hot? (laughs) That's true. Uh, It's cold. (laughs) Okay. It's cold absinthe. I put in, I don't even know the brand, watermelon mint sparkling water. It's like a seltzer water. good. Yeah. Like the taste is very open and refreshing, um, but it's not so thirst quenchy. Cause like, so I've recently gotten into trying sparkling water. Like I, I don't know. I've always wanted to not hate the taste of sparkling water. Oh God, I know. Relatable. <laughs> but I always have. I always hated it. It just had this kind of salty taste to, to me. So yeah, I finally found one that I liked. I I'd grabbed two kinds and one of them was the watermelon mint and that was the winner. And so it's just like got like a ton of ice cubes and that and yeah, it's like the watermelon up front and then the absinthe and then mint, but then absinthe again. Okay. And it's it's cold and refreshing, but after like a minute, it has that sparkling water kind of like <laughs> water, water. <laughs> yeah. So I'm very thirsty drinking this drink. Sparkling water is cursed by fairies in that it's never enough. It's never enough. It's awful. Um, And like I said, I've only been drinking it for a little while, but I like to drink it instead of drinking, like, a soda. Because I was drinking a lot of, like, Diet Coke. And just the sense of, I really shouldn't. There's no need for it. I don't need this gross, rotting my teeth thing, even though I love it. Um, (laughs) So maybe if I can get some, because I just wanted flavor, but I didn't want fucking calories. Yeah. So, like I said, I finally found one that was pretty tasty. But it it is. It's never enough. It's fucking fairy water. You're very right. <laughs> I love that. From now on, all sparkling water. Fairy water. <laughs> all sparkling, sparkling fairy water. <laughs> so, I'm calling this an iron side. Okay. Because I'm pretty sure if you drank enough of it, you would get sick. <laughs> I love that. Secretly, they put iron shavings in there. It will make you sick. This is like, it's like poisoned fairy water. Yeah. Maybe it's that salt taste that's actually just like fucking iron shavings or something. But yeah, this is my iron side. It is, you know, named for the title of the book. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm pretty sure if I kept drinking just this, I would get real sick and it'd be awful. Oh, probably. Especially with the absinthe in there. Right? Here you go. It's a little boozy, but it tastes mostly like water. Get sick. <laughs> what are you drinking? Because I have a guess, and I want to hear it. 
Oh, I but I want to hear your guess first. Well, my guess, I don't know what you're drinking, but my guess for the title is that you're mm-hmm. drinking a moon in a cup. No, although <gasps> I definitely did try to find something like that. Wow. But I, man, I went through so many things. I tried to find a changeling. I tried to find a moon in a cup. Changeling was my second thought. Yeah. I tried to find something related to iron. I tried so many things. I couldn't find anything. So finally, I just, I don't even know how I stumbled upon it. But, and I'm I'm very proud of this one, BT dubs. (laughs) Um, I found a drink called a Red Queen. (gasps) And I was like, oh, okay. That looks really pretty. Um, it's. I was trying to also find something that was not just like orange juice, you know. Yeah, because they all are. Yes. You drink absinthe, I drink orange juice. That's just what we do here. <laughs> we know what we like. <laughs> but no, so the original recipe is red wine, bourbon, lemon juice. So there is, you know, the sour in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And another alcohol whose name I can't remember. And okay. I was like... Well, I'm never going to be able to find that alcohol, so I'll just replace it with something. Yeah. And then I saw another drink called a Red Queen that called for pomegranate juice. And I was like, hey, they talk about Persephone and they Hades and this. do, right at the end. Perfect. So the drink that I'm drinking today is red wine, bourbon, lemon juice, and pomegranate liqueur. Ooh. And I'm calling it... A dead queen. <laughs> yeah. I love you so much. So proud of this. A dead queen. <laughs> That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And it's not bad. It's not Good. bad. I had to throw so much lemon juice in it to make it tolerable because kids' <laughs> bourbon is disgusting. Like, I love bourbon in cookies, mm-hmm. but bourbon just like in a drink yeah like that the drink you described i would be like red wine pomegranate juice or liqueur as you said mm-hmm. probably like a shot's worth of lemon and a splash of bourbon that's how i would do it <laughs> <laughs> yeah but no it's it's not bad once you put in the stuff that's good <laughs> i love that it's not bad once you put in good things you know i mean a dead queen right She's not so bad once she's not around. (laughs) Oh, it's true. I wonder if anybody makes a drink and, like, listens to us, or if they ever think about, hey, that thing that they described sounds pretty good. I'm going to try that sometime. So if if you ever make a drink to listen to the podcast, like, let us know. Yeah. If you've ever tried one of the ones that we've made, that would be good. I have to get more... Um, more absinthe, actually. I think I may have one more podcast worth left. I think Ooh. I've got, like, a shot's worth. But I need to fucking go to the liquor store, and I haven't gone to the liquor store since New Year's Eve 2019. <laughs> many, many years ago. Many moons ago. <laughs> so I'll just get myself two more fucking bottles of absinthe. Right? And hey, while you're there, maybe you, that podcast can be like a special drink. That's true, because I do know we're going to be there anyway. We have some interesting things coming up, so mm-hmm. get something fancy for that. It's a little tease for you all. I would love that. I would love if they had branded tie-in liquor that we could drink for that particular thing, <laughs> but I don't think it's that popular yet. I don't either. I'll have to start looking at things. 
I have ideas. I have ideas. Something something a little smoky, perhaps. <laughs> I look forward to it. Me too. I can't wait to tell people. <laughs> All right. So today, as you said, we're talking about Ironside. What is Ironside about, Ollie? Well, I'm going to read us the blurb here from Goodreads. You ready? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In the realm of fairy, the time has come for Roybin's coronation. I'm saying Roybin this time, by the way. That's fine. Uneasy in the midst of the malevolent unseelie court, Pixie K is sure of only one thing. Her love for Roybin. But when K, drunk on fairy wine, declares herself to Roybin, he sends her on a seemingly impossible quest. Now, Kay can't see or speak to Roybin unless she can find the one thing she knows doesn't exist. A fairy who can tell a lie. Miserable and convinced she belongs nowhere, Kay decides to tell her mother the truth, that she is a changeling, left in place of the human daughter stolen long ago. Her Damn. mother's I know, right? They, they, they got right to this. Her mother's shock and horror sends Kay back to the world of fairy to find her human counterpart and return her to Ironside. But once back in the fairy courts, Kay finds herself a pawn in the games of Solariel, queen of the Seely Court. Solariel wants Roybin's throne, and she will use Kay and any means necessary to get it. In this game of wits and weapons, can a pixie outplay a queen? Holly Black spins a seductive tale at once achingly real and chillingly enchanted, set in a dangerous world where pleasure mingles with pain and nothing is exactly as it appears. Boo. That was not what I was expecting it to be. No, it's spoilers. Spoilers. So many spoilers. Like, I feel like the thing with her mother was she debated that throughout the novel. Yeah, and it happens, like, pretty far in. Yeah, I feel like it's two-thirds of the way in. I think it's after they've already gone. Maybe it's halfway through? I would say probably closer to halfway. It's not like the end, but it it's not the beginning either. It's not the <laughs> like, beginning. It's not the inciting incident, which is what it makes it seem like. Honestly, it feels like even the bit about declaring herself to Robin feels like a spoiler almost, because that... I mean, that's, that is, you know, kind of what kicks off the plot, but it's also, like, doesn't really happen, like, up front, you know what I mean? Yeah, I guess, though, it happens in chapter five, looking at this. What, the Kay and her mom thing? Her telling her her, her mom about Chibi Kay. But that's five out of 15, so that's still so that's a third. a third, yeah, that's a third of the way through. She does she does announce herself to Roybin, I think, in, like, chapter two or three. Let me see. When was it? It's so, it's so weird. Like, I read this book, but I feel like I read this book weeks ago. <laughs> it is chapter two. Oh, okay. All right, so I guess her, te- her, her announcing herself to Roybin's sort of fine. Yeah, well, I mean, okay, I I have sympathy for whoever had to write that blurb, because I feel like of all the books that we've read of Holly Black so far, this feels like the pantserist, because it does, it goes all over the place. Yeah, it was, I, so you mentioned trying to come up with, like, what kind of drink you were going to drink, but that for you, it was a matter of trying to find ones to, to make. For me... The past two books have been really easy to hook into what I wanted 
to do with them for a drink. Like, because mm-hmm. I know I did the Glass Swamp on the first one, and I did Glamour Riot for the second one, and, like, those, like, those felt like, for me, what the point of the book was. Mm-hmm. This is the first book where, like, of anything that we've read, where I used the title mm-hmm. <laughs> to make my drink. Because I just, I couldn't hook into the sense of the plot. Like, there was a plot and a lot happens, but there's not, there's nothing that really unites it together. Like, the point of it. Like, the one thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I had the same issue because usually it's pretty apparent, like, what the drink of the book should be, right? (laughs) Like, it should be Nevermore. It should be a green fairy, whatever. But this one was definitely, like, what's big in this book? (laughs) What's big in this book that I can Google and add the word cocktail to and see if it exists, (laughs) you know? Right. Like, but no, this was hard. So I, I agree. Whoever did the the blurb, I don't envy them. No, I have sympathy, but there are definitely a lot of spoilers in there. Yeah, I feel like it would have been better to have said miserable and convinced she belongs nowhere. Kay must decide if she will tell her mother the truth that she is a changeling, blah, blah, blah. blah. Like, rather than just straight up, she decides to tell her mom the truth, and now she will go do this thing. Like, it it makes it sound like Kay getting back human Kay is the point Mm -hmm. of the book. And it is literally, she asks Solariel, hey, I'll do this thing, but I've got a couple stipulations. One of them is return the kid. And Solariel's like, Mm -hmm. done. All you had to do is ask. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it's like yeah, it's, it's no. not a problem. It's not a obstacle. I think that's what it is. It doesn't give me an obstacle. I think that if they had skipped the getting K back part and just gone like confused and not knowing where she belongs, K goes back to the world of fairy and then gets trapped in the power struggle ball. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. that's that's what it's really about. Like for most of it, it is about how do we get out of this without being really fucked by this queen. Yeah, I think the other part that would have helped this blurb be more because like it is definitely an interesting blurb and i could see someone be like woo let's let's give this a go Mm -hmm. um the other thing is that it's lacking the other two main characters which are corny and louise like right you could mention those two and their plots because that's important or even roybin like he's got a plot going on yeah, no, like, this definitely takes the everybody gets a turn approach. Yeah. So so having the blurb be just, like, about K, like, how could you not have spoilers? Yeah, it's true. It's true. Well, they, you know what? They did their best. I'm going to pat you on the head. We mm-hmm. tried. This was rough, honey. I get it. Yeah. Well, so that's the blurb, and it, it it's <laughs> not incorrect. <laughs> It's just really spoilery, and I would have liked to have seen not just Kay, because it really is not just Kay's book. Mm-hmm. And especially for a book called Ironside, the two humans are very important in this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you have a fancy cover? Um, so we can talk about the the Folk of the Air version, which is very nice. It is uh, all white, as per usual with these versions. Um, it has two golden swords crossed in the center Ooh. and coming from the place where the swords meet, it has a spiral of uh, green thorns 
And then it has uh, what look like brown moths flying around, or kind of strategically placed around the vines. And very upset. In the, the center, it has a little medallion that says, bonus short story inside. It's a fucking lie. <gasps> this one does not have the short story inside. You didn't get the short story? No, I was very sad. You're going to have to tell me about it. I Because I don't know what it is. I will. I honestly was considering doing like a little a little pod fic of it. Oh, really? Yeah, but I don't know if like that would be allowed. Um, well, you know what? It's Patreon. Who cares? <laughs> No, that's great. I'm excited. Um, because yeah, I was very excited to see what the short story was and it, it did not give it to me. So I'm glad somebody got it. Yeah, um, I got it. But yeah, so it says Ironside across the center in the same like folk of the air style, a modern fairy tale up top, holly black at the bottom, decadent but deadly, says Kirkus Reviews. Decadent but deadly. <laughs> decadent but deadly. That's phoning it in. <laughs> No, that is the perfect pull quote for this kind of book. Decadent but deadly? Absolutely. That's a fucking genre. That's the kind of pull quote you want to have. Absolutely, 100%. Kirkus knows what they're looking for. Too funny. Mine is the same one as always, so mine's Mm -hmm. nothing fancy. Have you seen the original cover? I have. I I am surprised because it reminds me so much of Nephemil's Iron Crown Thorns. Mm-hmm. But I imagine that that's what Solariel's crown must look like. Even though I think hers had berries on it and whatnot, I think that that's still roughly what they went for. Yeah, I think it's... Like us, where they're like, uh, what's important in this book? It's not the sword. It's not the fairy. Uh, <laughs> it's the, the crown, crown. The crown. That is definitely the point of this book is the crown. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you would like to describe that, though, for the audience. Sure. So the original cover, we are back to our beloved chiller font. Mm-hmm. It says Ironside across the top in the chiller font. But the, the primary image is a silver and blue crown made of like it looks like twigs and and little like frosted leaves yeah has a very like tactile feel to it like if this were embossed oh my god Mm. amazing i would want to run my finger over that yeah you can you can really like feel the way it would feel if you could run your finger over this embossed cover Anyway, it sits on a background of iron-colored uh, leaves and swirls and twigs and stuff. And then the background itself is kind of a grungy, bluish-green. Yeah, and then uh, as, the, as with the rest of the series, you have Holly Black at the bottom and uh, a modern fairy's tale. Hasn't each of the books had a different thing? A different subtitle? Yeah. Yeah, depending on what edition you look at. Like, they don't all have that particular, like, idiosyncrasy. Yeah, let's see. A modern fairy tale for Tithe. A modern tale of fairy for Valiant. And a modern fairy's tale for Ironside. On the originals, mm-hmm. at least. That's very good. Alright. They're good covers. I like them. I've always liked them and been curious about these books. So I'm very mm-hmm. glad that we, we did get around to giving them a read. Yeah, now you know. Yes. All right. But now, the hard part. (laughs) Mm -hmm. The plot. As discussed per the blurb, 
it's a very hard plot because there's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. And there's ostensibly three, if not four, main characters. Mm-hmm. But I think the overarc on all of this is we have all been traumatized by fairy in one way or another. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, with that in mind, Ironside is about trauma and not necessarily overcoming it so much as, like, acknowledging it mm-hmm. and maybe finding ways to work with and past and around it. Like, it's interesting to see these four characters because two of them are fae and two of them are human. And, like, one is a fairy who's always been in fairy. One is a fairy who only, like, two months ago found out she was a fairy. One human has always known fairy. And one human has only two months ago known fairy. Mm-hmm. It's a really good balance. So, you want to try for the plot? Oof, God, I can try. All right. Um, Like we were talking about with the blurb, it's a winding road. Definitely. <laughs> Um, it goes to one place and then it veers off in another direction and then it swirls back and then it stops in the next town to pick up characters from <laughs> Valiant and then it doubles back again and then, yeah, so it, it just goes all over the place pacing-wise. I mean, obviously pacing-wise, right? Because we were discussing like, oh no, she doesn't tell her mom until like three quarters of the way through the book. No, <laughs> no, no, that's chapter five. Yeah, <laughs> like, it, it's interesting to be like, the first five and prologue chapters feel so much longer than they the do. following five chapters. They really do. Like, the pacing on this thing, we talked about it a little with Tithe, where, like, it felt like the book should have ended halfway through and then it kept going. And, like, Which that was, was nice. fine because it was interesting. Yeah. yeah. But this one is, like, the first five chapters felt like a whole fucking book mm-hmm. and we kept going. Um, But the long and the short of it is that, yes... Kay and Robin. I'm going to call him Robin. That's fine. I'll call him Robin. You call him Robin. <laughs> um, it's it's like the follow-up to the very truncated happy, happily ever after we got in Tithe, where it's like, okay, it's been a while, a couple months. Uh, like Robin December. is about to be. Yeah. So literally just enough time for Valiant to have happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Valiant happens in, I think... um. November. Yeah, Tithe happens in October up through Halloween. And then Valiant happens in November. And then this is like a couple of weeks later because it's midwinter, which is December 21st. So this starts a couple days before Christmas. And like the rough, roughly epilogue is New Year's Eve. So nine days. (laughs) yep this has been an eventful three months for these kids right (laughs) so yeah robin is being coronated he's officially taking his place as the king of the uh, unseelie court Kay does in fact get tricked into drunkenly attempting to pledge herself to him and robin being a ya boyfriend decides that the best thing he can do is try to keep her away from him and the unseelie court by giving her an impossible quest because you're a weakness and people will try to exploit that and hurt you i mean he says that but it's not really about that it's about wanting to keep her safe from the shitty unseelie fate i feel personally yeah 
Because Kay thinks it's like, oh, I'm his weakness. And he wants to make sure that he doesn't have any weaknesses. And it's it's more like Robin is like, no, no, no. I just wanted you to not be like tortured and murdered. Because he does not have very high opinions of the Unseelie court. No, he doesn't. He doesn't have, I mean, by the end of the book, he doesn't have a high opinion of anybody. <laughs> he's the worst fairy. It, well, these fairies fucking suck. I just love that he's like, they're king, and he's like, ugh, I hate them all. <laughs> he's like, ugh, I do hate them, but I am responsible for them, so <laughs> I have to try to advocate for them, even though they all suck. I would say, so far, he is my favorite monarch. He's very good. Like, Robin's a good dude. Yeah. So yeah, Robin does the YA boyfriend thing. He's like, no, 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 you can't be with me. It's too dangerous. And uh, he gives Kay an impossible quest. She has to find a fairy that can tell an untruth. Mm -hmm. Impossible. Everybody knows. No fairies can lie. All the other fairies laugh at her and Kay is humiliated and she runs away. And of course, she does the YA girlfriend thing where she's like, no, he doesn't want to be with me. This is about him rejecting me and not about him protecting me. Yeah. So Kay sort of, she doesn't even try to do the quest because she knows it's impossible. Yeah. Well, and like, she even comments too that like, by the rules of it, she's now no longer allowed to approach him. Like, yeah, she can't go see him. Yep. This is a very public and formal breaking up. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, Kay is also trying to balance, like, because uh, as you said, like, the thing is about trauma and it's also about, like, finding your place, right? Because, mm -hmm. like, Robin is trying to find his place between, like, the unseelie and the seelie fae because he's he's both and yet neither. Kay is trying to decide if she's a fairy or a human. Corny is also dealing with, like, do I want to be, like, a powerful, like, vengeance person or do I want to, like, move past my trauma? And Luis is like, hey, I'm here. I can see fairy. I don't really have a choice. <laughs> this This won't go away for me. Yeah. So... Kay is trying to figure out where her life goes from here. I continued to feel, like, nervous with Corny because of his fucking actions. Oh, uh, yeah. I remember in the first book I had commented that I wasn't sure. He, he seemed like he was someone that, you know, in another author's hands, was being set up to be a bad guy. You know, to be like, no, you're my friend, but you're being a bad guy and doing bad things. But, like, thankfully, the bad shit Corny does, he's never made to be, like, an unforgivable antagonist. But, like, the shit he does, I'm still like, oh my god, are you are you doing this? Is he going to be a bad guy? Is he going to be, like, you said, you know, is he going to decide vengeance must kill all fairies for myself and my sister? Like, I'm like, Ooh. I was on edge with Corny's plot the whole time. I'm so glad. It's like, it's really interesting, right? Because like you said, in another author's hands, he could have just gone straight villain because Corny does some Gay villain. fucked up stuff. Yeah. From the get go, he's like, nope, not going to go to the coronation. Have fun, Kay. So I can steal a little tiny hob, I guess, and torture information out of it. Right. But it's so good. And it's it's the book having such a good handle on what it is yeah because it's okay because the fae are just as terrible it's not like he's torturing like an innocent dog or something like no no this hob would probably fucking eat him if it could so it's fine and then you know when when he gets to his next encounter with a fae we see that yeah no it, 
if they have any power and ability to fuck with him, they will. So, like, mm-hmm. him fucking with the little hob, he was doing what he had to. Because he, he, like, wants to find a way to be protected or something. It's a nice mirror to, like, Luis, right? Mm-hmm. Who also, like, doesn't have that control and, like, tried to take it back by getting all the piercings and yeah. stuff. Corny's approach to this is like, I'm going to find a fae and I'm going to fucking torture it until it tells me what their fucking kryptonite is. <laughs> right. And Luis is like, I'm going to fill myself with iron piercings. And even though I've learned that that doesn't fucking work, I don't care. It makes me feel better. Nope. Right. But the thing that I love so much about this and that I've loved about the series in general is that everybody is so morally dubious (laughs) yeah everybody's messy and the plot never points to any one of the main characters in particular and goes you're too messy exactly it never says you're too messy it says you know what you're messy and that's totally understandable (laughs) shit sucks because like look at all the trauma you've been through kids right and one of the things that i really liked it was implied i feel more in tithe But this one, like, really goes deep into Robin as an abuse survivor. He, there are some, like, really, like, heartbreaking lines where he he talks about, like, the way that Nick Nevin broke him down, the way that Solariel, like, she sent him to it and knew what was going to happen. So Solariel might, might as well have also, like, done all of this stuff to him. Like, she gave no fucks. Yeah. And how traumatized Robin is by it. Mm -hmm. He has these memories. There's like a line in, I think, the prologue where he was like, uh, he was forced to drink the blood of a hob that he tried to save. And he still tastes the blood, but he doesn't remember like whose blood it is. Like, this is just his life now. Yep. Over time, he's just like, never got over it. But it's no longer about who that fairy was. It's just about... Mm -hmm this happened to me right it's like it's no longer a specific trauma it's just this trauma is like the background radiation of his life now yeah that is fucking cptsd right there you had seven years of fucking torment the interesting thing with the idea of everyone gets to be messy Mm -hmm. is how the two queens solariel and nick nevin how they're just straight up shown to be messy and that it's a problem, but it's a problem because we're seeing it through the ideas of the people they abuse. Like, I could see there being a story of why they are this way, Mm -hmm. um, but I appreciate that we're not asked to sympathize with either of them. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that it's not, here's the story of these people who have been tormented by and abused by these women in too much power. But here's here's why. Don't you sympathize? No. I appreciate that, like, mm-hmm. even though I do, I love messy, evil characters having a good time mm-hmm. being awful. It's nice that we can just let them be awful because they're fairies. Yeah. And I think that the key thing that separates Robin and Corny and Kay and uh, Luis from Nick Nevin and Solariel is that, I mean, and granted, this is because we don't really see from Solariel or Nick Nevin's point of view, but like the four main characters have empathy for people, right? Like they all want to protect people, even people that they don't care about or people that they hate. Like you said, Robin hates the Unseelie Fae, but he's their king. So he's going to try to do right by them. 
they have empathy for the other characters. And as far as we see, Solario never gives a single fuck. No, if anything, she continues to be horrible and choose things that will be the most painful for others. Right, exactly. And it's kind of that that fucks her in the end because she's so willing to throw everybody under the bus that that finally comes back to bite her in the ass because she throws the wrong person under the bus. So. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's... And even in Valiant, the antagonist there, she didn't have empathy either. So it's it's really the books are just like, you can be a fairy and you can be a human. And as long as you have any kind of fucking empathy, you're mm-hmm. probably worth redemption on this. Mm-hmm. But if you don't and you just want to fuck up and have power, you're probably getting taken down. Yeah. And you know what? Fucking stab the rich take their crowns. Yep. I mean, you should probably burn their crowns, but I guess if you have to give them to your sister, that's also fine. <laughs> if these people are like, no, we need a crown because ritual and we're fairies and whatnot. And like, and we've seen too in Tithe what happens when there are the uncorded fae, right? Like they went off and started killing people and like they took away children and they like tortured people with riddles like no we know what the fairies want to do left on their own yeah so i guess if you gotta have monarchy fairies are right. the place to do it right they are all just a fucking court of serial killers so <laughs> you should probably try to rein that in i get it yeah yeah they like to soak their caps in blood so like <laughs> let's do it with uh not humans yeah um, okay, so Kay goes to see her mom. She starts feeling guilty because, you know, I saw that other girl the last time I was in fairy. Like, I stole her life. I'm lying to my mom by not telling her. Like, Kay's on a real crisis here. Yeah. Her and Courtney are up in New York. They're visiting for a concert. I love that Ellen, like, cuts his hair and dyes it black and is like, he's still like, I, I don't even look like myself still. I know, I love that Cordy gets a makeover in this one. So good. They <laughs> And he's like, uh, do you think I need a haircut? And she's like, well, you do have a mullet. Um, and I understand that that may be a statement for you. Like, nobody has a mullet unless it's a statement. But I'm not going to say it looks good because I'm a fairy. And as we have established, I cannot lie. <laughs> Honestly, Corny is so lucky to have Kay as his now best friend. <laughs> Do I look okay in this? Mm, I'm going to say nothing because <laughs> I know. I, can't I lie. love the I love the way Kay like bobs and weaves Corny's "Do I look good?" question. <laughs> <laughs> he just wants to look good. He's such a little nerd. He is. And like you said, he got a little bit of a glow up here and it worked out for him. Yep. Uh, in the meantime, Corny, as we've discussed, is having his own internal thing where he is desperately trying to find a way to keep himself safe from the fairy. He's doing this by, like, going through books and destroying the information that is patently untrue. I love it. Uh, so that other people are not uh, misinformed when this inevitably happens to them because it will. <laughs> 
it kicks off by him kidnapping a very small fairy and torturing it for information so that he can try to find out like what he can do to protect himself. He gets a little bit of info. He learns about like someone called the Fixer up in New York that he could talk to who might be able to, you know, like they've been breaking Break curses, curses. So maybe they know mm-hmm. more shit. Yeah. He and Kay go up to New York. Kay is just sort of drifting at this point, trying to figure out what she's going to do now that she can't be with Robin. They are accosted by, a f- well, I feel like Corny really does the accosting in yeah. this case. This dude, this clearly a fairy, is just like watching Kay too much. And so he's just like, well, fuck it. And like, I love Corny, honestly. I love that he's just like, I'm mm-hmm. going to go talk to this dude. And then he's like, yeah, you're being a little too obvious. Why don't we go somewhere private? And then like fucking hits the dude and is like Mm -hmm. interrogating him. And I'm like, holy shit, man. Like, this is a fairy. Yeah. Corny's like, fuck you. Yeah. He does not care. He's like, it's it's hit or be hit in this fucking world. I know (laughs) it now. Uh, And he gets cursed for his trouble. Sure fucking does. Like, you beat the shit out of a fairy and the fairy is so pissed. I love that later when he tells like what his curse is. It's described as like, well, this person is probably very young and very powerful and very pissed off in the moment to have done something like that, because that takes a lot of effort. (laughs) So it's like, you just caught yourself a young, pissed off fairy that you beat the (laughs) shit out of. And so he's like, everything you touch withers beneath your fingers. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and again, it's like that great moment of illuminating where Corny is like mentally, because his hands, like you said, will literally rot whatever he touches. And he's perversely, and I don't mean perverse in like a gross way, but like the the story makes it clear that Corny should not be thrilled about this. And he knows that he shouldn't be thrilled about this. But he is kind of thrilled about this because this is an equalizer, you know? Yeah, he's like, well, now, because they had like gone to a little coffee shop. And they wrote, like, little secrets and things like that to put in drawers. And I'm like, oh my god, I've been places like this. And (laughs) his one was that he wishes so much that he wasn't human. He just Mm -hmm. wants to be special. He is, when I say he's a nerd, he's a comic book nerd. He's an anime nerd. (laughs) He, like Val with her video games, like, he has escapism issues where he wants to be anything but himself. He wants to be so special. He has filled his head with ideas of being special, and that is not who he is, like, in his mind. He looks at himself and goes, I am not special. And so when he gets cursed at first, it's like, oh, oh, fuck. You know, everything I'm touching is is rotting and aging and, and whatnot, and this is terrible. But as soon as he gets any kind of handle on it, he's like, well, now I'm special. This is a thing. And like you said, it's an e- it's a bit of an equalizer. Not really, yeah. but it's anything. Well, I mean, it turns out, you know, he yeah. doesn't know it at the time, but it turns out to be pretty helpful. Right? Imagine that with Nefamil. <laughs> oh, God. Well, and that's the other thing, right? Because, like, you know, he realizes that what he touches rots, like, decays. And I feel like that's a reflection of, like, where Cordy's at as, like, somebody who just got out of an extremely abusive relationship. Lost his sister. Right. Like, of course, everything that I touch decays because, like, I'm the problem, you know? Yeah. All of that trauma comes, it's, like, bleeding out of his hands, on the you know? <laughs> right? Well, like... Props to Holly Black for fucking going there, you know? Yep. No, it's good. 
again, like I said, I was on the edge of my seat with it. I'm like, fuck, fuck, fuck. How are they going to fucking deal with this? Mm-hmm. And it's a little twee the way they deal with it, but you know. Yeah, but they at least knew the solution to it to begin with. That's true. It wasn't like they didn't know. No, no, it did not come out of nowhere. So yeah, uh, now Corny is cursed. Kay knows that the queen of the Seely Court is looking for her. Which is why that guy was there. Yes. A dare. They go to try to find the fixer to try to get Corny's hand fixed. Uh, that, of course, turns out to be Luis from Valiant. I was so surprised, but delighted. Yeah, no, it's nice to sort of see these ones tying together a little bit. I will say it set me up falsely after book mm-hmm. one and book two. That I was expecting Val to be important to this plot. So, like, when Elise was important, I was like, this makes sense. But when is Val going to come in? (laughs) Well, again, it feels like very pantser, right? Where, like, if this were, like, a romance series, like, every side character would have their own book or whatever. Whereas in this case, it's just like, you know what? We could use Luis here. And it doesn't matter that that wasn't really, like, that's not traditional, you know, among YA books or whatever. Yeah, to go for him rather than Val. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so they find Luis uh, in the couple of weeks or however long it's been since Valiant has sort of set himself up as somebody who helps humans deal with the aftermath of encounters from Fae. Which I loved so much. It's very good. It feels very right. It does. And I like that they're like, they haven't been kicked out of that Upper West Side squat that they were in after they killed the gal. They're still working out of there. Like, I love the naturalness of that. Yeah. And I know we talked in Valiant about like not being thrilled with how Luis and mostly Luis kind of got the short end of the stick with that. So it's nice to circle back to him and give him a story you know with real plot yeah with who is Luis what does Luis want what does Luis's future look like you know Mm -hmm. and he talks about his future too like I loved that and we see Dave again briefly while they're waiting for Luis to deal with uh I think he deals with two people's problems while they're there and that was nice to see Yeah, it was very cool to sort of see, like, the fucking monster of the week for these people. You know, this lady who vomits up thorns and this guy who spits out coins. It's very good. Yeah, it was cool. And gave a real sense that there's, like, not an epidemic of fairy problems, but, like, there's enough fairy problems that he's doing shit at night and then in the morning. There's enough people in this city and enough fairies who are cursing them (laughs) that he's needed. Well, and it's a neat illustration of the problem of like <laughs> it's like these two territories encroaching upon each other where like when Fae are forced to inhabit the same place as humans like <laughs> shit just happens and it's not good it's not good and you know that's a problem that Robin swoops in at the end to kind of solve you know yeah like so they grab Luis now Luis is a main character in this story because yeah, he was supposed to take them to the queen like he knows how to get there yeah he's at this point working for solariel because she's the only one who can protect dave after he murdered the um (laughs) exiled fae yep after the plot of valiant dave has a fucking (laughs) target on his back right and of course this is like Luis trying to save his brother because he cares about him even though his brother has done really shitty things yeah this is like the fourth time dave's fucked up yeah, um, and have you watched Infinity Train? No. I think I asked this before. It's, okay. 
there's a really good thing in season two where they have these two characters who are like they start out the same and they experience like similar traumas. And through the course of season two, one of them realizes that they need to fix themselves and that they need to like work on making themselves a better person. And the other one doesn't. The The ultimate like point of the season is that this person <laughs> is never going to fix themselves mm-hmm. and they're just going to keep hurting people. And that's definitely where these two are at. Yeah. And that's why I really felt like you were with Luis and Dave or like Luis is trying to deal with the fucking hand he's been dealt. Meanwhile, Dave does not care. Like Dave doesn't care who he hurts as long as he can make himself feel better. And he doesn't even care about himself either. No. I feel bad for the plot that Dave is in. I don't feel like he's a stereotype on a character. Mm-hmm. Like if we didn't have Luis. Yeah. Dave would be, I would have some problems. A problem. Yeah. Like, yeah. instead, I'm just like, these are two brothers. And like you said, one's going one way and one's going the other. And it sucks that mm-hmm. you see a lot of mirrored stuff between Corny and Luis where it's like, well, Janet was just an innocent girl doing nothing. All right. Well, but Dave is fucking courting danger. You know, like mm-hmm. Corny had no way of knowing how to protect her. All Luis is doing is trying to protect Dave. Like mm-hmm. it's a fucking rough plot line, but like it doesn't feel exploitative or tragedy porn. Like Luis is a strong character, and he's better by the end of it for what happens, even if he's still like sad and dealing with it. Like mm-hmm. he was fucking codependent with his brother. Yeah. And his brother did not give a fuck about himself. Like, Dave needed so much more help (laughs) than Louise could Mm -hmm. ever give him. And I think it comes back to, like, the thing we talked about with, like, the empathy, where, like, obviously, Louise has a lot of empathy for people. He's trying to help them deal with the fairies so that they don't have to, like, experience the shit that he did. Meanwhile, Dave is just, like, does not care. He sold, he sells his brother out. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so sad to be like, this is your brother who loves you and cares about you. Oh, I didn't ask him to care about me. Like, I, I get that. <laughs> but this is, I don't know, it's a, it's a lot of, hey, kids, this is what drugs do. Really hard drugs. And this is fairy drugs. So. <laughs> I mean, we even saw in Valiant, like, Dave doing really shitty things because he wanted Lolly. Yeah. And Lolly didn't want him, and the way that that made Dave behave with, like, other girls, like, mm-hmm. and the, the way that it drove a, a wedge between him and Luis, like, this has been Dave since we met him. Like, he's just kind of a shitty guy. Yep. His conclusion is an unfortunate thing after all of mm-hmm. the stuff that happens in Valiant to try to save him. But it feels really appropriate in the world that Holly Black has built. Yeah. It feels very much like, yeah, this is fairy and fairy will fuck you. Yeah, and like if you've surrendered yourself to it, then of course. Mm-hmm. And he's definitely surrendered himself to it. And he says as much, basically, when Corny and uh, Kay meet him at the squat in the Upper West Side. Mm-hmm. He's just like, ah, I just want to have a couple weeks of fun. That's all I'm really hoping to get. Well, that is uh, about exactly what you get. Yeah. So yeah, Kay and Corny pick up Luis, 
they, and I know I'm skipping stuff here, but it doesn't matter. Um, they end up going to meet with Solariel so that Kay, at, by this point, I think Kay has told her mom that she's a changeling. Yeah. Because she's just so, like, guilt-ridden. Like, she feels like she's, you know, stolen this life from this other girl. Yeah, because she definitely tells, because I remember Courtney, like, stepped out. And that's when they then head to to Luis, because she's like, well, we can't fucking go back to my mom's, because she's freaked out about the fact that I'm a fairy and stole her baby. Right, and oh my god, like, the the fucking emotional shit that Kay has to deal with in this book, where, like, Robin rejects her in front of everybody, like, her her mom mom rejects her. It's so She has nowhere. Like, having nowhere to stay that night is just a microcosm of her fucking life at that point. Yeah, it's, so, I think, the beginning of the book, she talks about how, like, normal girls laugh when something is funny, and they cry when something is sad, and she's not a normal girl, and she just sort of, like, that's, like, the mind state that she's in, and then, like, she tells her mom, hey, I'm a changeling, and her mom freaks out, and Kate starts laughing, and that, like, freaks her mom out even more. And, like, it's not that Kay thinks it's funny. It's just, like, this is how she reacts. You know, she's a changeling. Like, she's not human. Yeah. She's having a hard time, and she's freaking out. Yeah, like, this is her emotional reaction, is to laugh, and that throws her mom off so much that her mom is like, you're not my daughter, you're a monster, get out of my face kind of thing. Which, admittedly, like, I think Ellen's within her right in those moments. Well, yeah, because Kay is standing in front of her like this alien looking green chick and she's laughing. And like if Kay were a human girl and she were crying, her mom probably wouldn't have reacted differently. But like this is Kay. She's a changeling. Mm. She doesn't she doesn't belong here. And so Ellen reacts to that. And it's like, you know, the dilemma that Kay has where like she's not a human. She can't react to things in the way that people think are appropriate because it's not her. So. The consequences of that are right in her face. Like, her mom tells her she's a monster and tells her to leave. And so, Kay decides that the only thing that she can do, because again, Kay is still a good person. Kay is still an empathetic person. She's like, okay, well, I have to get this woman's daughter back for her and give her the life that she deserves. So, she goes with Luis and Corny to see Solariel. Oh, one note I love that Corny introduced himself as Neil. Because <laughs> I remember thinking Corny was, like, a ridiculous name and why would you fucking go by that? Mm-hmm. So, I love that when he introduces himself to Luis, like, there's part of it feels very, like, oh, you can see the Fae, you know the Fae, I'm not giving you my real name. But mm-hmm. also, I don't want you to think nerd every time you say my name. Yeah, because Corny sees Luis and he's like, but yeah, yeah, yoing. <laughs> right, he's like, he's cool, he's hot, oh no. He knows about Faye. He's special, I'm not, I'm Corny. Yeah, and that's exactly, that's exactly it. He's like, oh, I can't tell him my name is fucking Corny. Like, <laughs> so anytime, like, his name is, anytime Kay says Corny and Luis is like, what? Neil, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> It's so good. Oh, good character stuff. I loved it. So yeah, the three of them go off to see Solariel. Because in the background, the underhill where Robin lives... Okay, I thought you could get away with just not explaining the fucking fey politics stuff, but we can't. (laughs) That is the point of the book. 
is the point of the book. So the thing is that once Robin takes the crown, the war between the seal and the unsealy fae is going to resume. Apparently it went on pause when Nick Nevin died, but now we're going to unpause and we're going to start killing each other again. Robin is more or less okay with that because he's like, well, I'll just make a suicidal attempt to kill Solario because I hate her. And I don't care about myself, so. Yeah. And, you know, fuck the unsealy fae. He's so good at being a YA boyfriend. <laughs> he is. But he's a YA boyfriend with depth, so I'll take it. Yeah. So Robin's like, okay, fine. As long as I sacrifice myself, it's okay. You know, whatever. It's sacrificing others he's not cool with. Yeah, exactly. But then uh, Solariel uses humans to attack the Underhill. Like, she runs a fucking truck into the Underhill. I was so impressed. Right? I was like, is that hill literally hollow? I didn't expect that, but okay. I know. I always thought it was, like, another world they were going to. No. No, it's literally just underneath the fucking graveyard. So, right? All right. I guess you can dig down six feet and it's fine. Maybe it's 12 feet. I don't know, but it's just fucking hollowed out. Right? Like, what the fuck did humans think were going on down? Like, because nobody's surprised when the Underhill cracks like an egg. So, like, what, they think there were fucking moles down there? Like, nobody's surprised that there was a fucking, like, open cavern beneath this hill? Right? Did you just think it was some caves or shit? Like, (laughs) you were burying people on this hill. That's what I don't understand. (laughs) It's very strange. But no, she literally runs a truck fucking 18 wheeler <laughs> through the fucking chocolate shell that protects the underhill it's delicious creamy center <laughs> she murders a bunch of unsealy fae uh robin is upset because he didn't expect other people to die he expected to you know kamikaze himself into solario i was gonna fight her me and he realizes like oh no this is actual war and i need to like figure something out yeah in the meantime, Solariel has sent his sister to entrap him and be like, hey, one-on-one fight. Pistols at dawn. Yeah. <laughs> we hawk what it, What I thought was interesting is that Solariel is like, you fight my champion. Like, because I was expecting him to be like, all right, cool. I'll have my champion fight your champion. Like, that that seems more like the way of it. But no, it's fucking, it's fucking Robin. So he's just like, yeah, sure, I'll fight your champion. Me, what's it matter? Who cares? <laughs> Even though you can only crown a new, uh, a new monarch on the one day that just happened. <laughs> um, great. You have a king for three days and then you'll need a new one. <laughs> Right? Because Solariel knows Robin. Like, obviously she knows Robin's not gonna fucking send his underlings to do something he feels he should die for. Never. Even though he has, like, three fucking guards who are more than capable. (laughs) One of them is, like, itching to do a murder. She's like, please, I haven't (laughs) murdered anyone in 12 hours. (laughs) It's like, his picture, like, Rosa just, like, scratching herself, just like, oh, no, I gotta Shit, kill no, I'm somebody. I'm gonna not be able to imagine Dulcamara as anyone but fucking Rosa. <laughs> of course. Always Rosa. Always Rosa. Best character ever. <laughs> Get this girl a dog. <laughs> I want that short story where Dilkamara gets a dog and she's like, I'll murder each and every one of you before you touch the dog. She's like, please touch my dog so I can murder you. (laughs) She uses it like a trap. She like puts it out in the fucking underhill and she's like, Do not touch dog. Oh, you touched him. (laughs) She just swoops down with a fucking axe. Just like, "Mm, that felt so good. So good. Here, doggo, have a bone. (laughs) 
it, it lets me murder people and it feeds the dog. Right. It works out for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, right. so he's got these people who are itching to do a murder, a whole court of serial killers. And he's like, nope, me. <laughs> Love that. You know how, like, they have um those YA books, like, A Court of Thorns and Roses. Like, no, this is a court of serial killers and sociopaths. Yeah. Right? What form of sociopath do you want to be? Right? And I love that, like, even though, you know, there's, like, the bright court and the night court, and, like, the people in the night court are murderers, the bright court also sucks. Like, those people will also murder you if they yeah. have a chance. Well, like- it's it's active versus, pa- versus passive, as we see mm-hmm. when, you know, back to the plot, Kay and Corny and Luis arrive upstate New York at this lake. There's a whole bunch of humans just standing. And if they get fucking touched, it's like a haunt and I love it. <laughs> if they get touched or you get too close to them, they like activate and they will attack you. Mm-hmm. Presumably this is to keep anyone away from, you know, wandering into fairy who shouldn't. Mm-hmm. But they're humans. They're not fae who can handle this. So like, oh, well, I didn't kill them. I just told them to stand there. Well, Kay brings it up to Solariel and Solariel's like, Oh, I don't get pleasure from them dying. I just need them to. Yeah. That's supposed to be some sort of big difference to her. And Cage is like, mm, no, they're still dying. Right. It is to her. It is. She's like, no, my sister was mean and horrible. This is just, you know, I guess if a mosquito dies, his mosquito dies. <laughs> oh, my God. And, like, can we talk a little bit about how even though Nick Nevin and Solario, like, theoretically, I feel like they didn't even actually hate each other. No. They just, like, were fulfilling the roles. But, like, even at the end, Solario's telling Robin, like, you'll never be my sister. Like, you, a poor, <laughs> will never be, like, a gentry like my sister, you know? It's yeah. just like, oh, you're so shitty. I hate you. They really are. They do a good job of the of being the kinds of monarchs that we need in YA more. Ones that we can just be like, you're awful and terrible and you do not care about your people and tear down <laughs> the fucking courts. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. I just love how that was such a clear thing where like Solario's playing the role of somebody who like I have such a disdain for the unseelie court because of the harm and the disgustingness of their proclivities or whatever. Yeah. And but she's still just like, yeah, but um aristocracy though. <laughs> My sister might have been evil incarnate, but she wasn't poor. <laughs> she was still nobility, so yeah. um that matters. Divine right and all that bullshit. <laughs> divide right among fairies like where is the divinity where does it come from well and you see it in the short story oh so the story follows ludy lou and there's a a bunch of stuff in it where it's like she's a sprite and so she's overlooked and the positives and negatives of that Mm-hmm. Where it's like, on the one hand, it's easy to go places because no one pays any attention to you. On the other hand, when you need help, no one pays attention to you. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. like, it's very much a class kind of thing. And, like, when people do offer her kindness, she's very moved by it. Because it's like, here's this person who is so much more important than me, treating me like someone who who they give a shit about. 
No. Yeah, it's it's cute, and we'll, we'll chat about it more. But like the classism in fairy is definitely something that Holly Black is drawing attention to, like repeatedly throughout her stories. She's writing with purpose, like just looking at Fay and the gentry, and like the way that they interact with humans, and being like, "Y'all, this sucks." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it's why Fay's stories are so hard to do in young adult. Mm-hmm. I'm I definitely prefer this, where it's like, look at how harmful <laughs> this is. Yeah. Even even where Kay ends up at the end of it, she's still Kay. She's not trying to be like in my fancy dresses going to court. And that's mm-hmm. that's a lot of the fun for YA romance is mm-hmm. the the power fantasy of mm-hmm. it. It's hard to do in fairy when again you're dealing with like choose your sociopath. <laughs> Do you want to be a passive sociopath? Do you want to be an active sociopath? All the fancy dresses in the world won't matter (laughs) if if that's where you're going. It's true. And they make that clear with the bright court. It's just like, they're all very pretty and they all live in like this perfect 75 degree all the time island. I love the description of it, like, where it says, it almost felt like there was no weather. That's what type of perfect weather it was. I'm like, oh, I can feel it on my skin. (laughs) Right? And it's just like, I wonder if, like, it feels like a slightly different temperature for everybody. Like, people who like it a little cooler feel it a little cooler. People who like it a little warmer feel it a little warmer, you know? Whatever your no weather is, that's what it feels like. I actually bet it. I bet it is. I bet you're right with the idea of slightly warmer, slightly cooler, etc. Because of how like Louis sees through the uh, illusions, mm-hmm. where he's like, "It's a fucking mushroom," and they were like, "It was cake." Well, and that's again, oh, so good. That's the bright court, right? Like everything looks beautiful mm-hmm. and it feels beautiful on the surface. But then you have Luis there, who appropriately enough is like a fucking black biracial homeless kid who's looking at like these gallivanting white kids being like, you're eating mushrooms. Yeah. Like this is built on the suffering of people. Like, I don't know why you're enjoying this. And Corny being like, I have suffered enough. I will eat five of these rotting mushrooms because to me, they look like cake. It's a cake and they tell me it's cake, so I'm going to eat cake. And Luis is just like, oh my God, kid. <laughs> and you know, Luis is there like, Ugh, I remember when I was that young. Five. <laughs> right. Before my dad murdered my mom and shot my brother and then killed himself. Even before that, before some fairy fucking poked my yeah. eye out for seeing him, yeah. you know? Oh, Luis is the best. (laughs) Right. But yeah, it's like perfect because that is the bright court. Beautiful and everything looks nice, but everything's built on a foundation of rotting mushrooms. And and they don't care because like the Upper West Side squat, right? When that um, when that courtier who was from the bright court, I think. Mabry. Thank you, Mabry. When she lived there, everything was beautiful. None of the fairies were going to call her out on it. They don't care if it's an illusion. Mm-hmm. As long as it looks nice, what do they fucking care? No one's going to be like, oh, your squat was actually squalor. <laughs> they don't care. And that's uh, something even Kay brings up where she talks about how she's like been painting her room. And Robin was like, you're a fairy. You can like glamour it to look however you want. And Kay being like, yeah, but that's not real. It's not. Yeah. And Kay cares because she's not a fairy. Mm-hmm. By nurture. I love it. 
It's good stuff. Okay, so anyway, they go to the island. Solario's like, hey, I want you to use Robin's name to make him do something advantageous to where Robin doesn't die, but I get the throne and it'll be fine because you care about Robin or whatever, you know. (laughs) Kay's like, well, I'll think about it if you give me the human version of me, like the child that you kidnapped and that I replaced. And Solaro's like, I don't even give a shit. Take her. She's been in the closet for the last six hours. She literally does not care. Take, oh, what I love is that Kay doesn't even, she has like one of her assistants deliver the child to Ellen. Kay is not involved whatsoever. This happens off screen. It does. I, you could tell how much it didn't matter. And I think that's why the blurb threw me off. Yep, the child is just delivered within two days to uh, Ellen's doorstep. <laughs> the Amazon Primer overnight. <laughs> right. She arrives in a slightly battered box. She's a Christmas present. <laughs> Kay pays an extra $4 to have her wrapped in a shitty nylon bag. There's a card, but it doesn't say from who. <laughs> so yeah, Kay considers that and she goes back to Solariel and she's like, well, I'm going to think about your proposal. And Solariel's like, think about it a little more, hun. <laughs> she glamours Kay and then has her observe uh, Robin's interaction with Solariel. Of course, in the grand tradition of mistaking people's intentions. Naturally. She sees Robin make out with Solariel, kind of intending to demonstrate, like, obviously he still loves me and he's still devoted to me. Yeah. So you should do what I say because fuck men. Am I right, sweetie? I love that Solariel, like, really needs Robin to fucking love her. Oh, I know, right? It actually hurts her, in my opinion, when she finds out later that he does not. Mm-hmm. It's like, ha. Ah. She expects everybody to love her, because why wouldn't they? Yeah. It's her, like, overestimating her own importance <laughs> and that biting her in the ass in the end. And it's so good. It's very good for, like, the emotional drama. Because Solario's like, Robin, maybe you should take a better look at my handmaidens. And Robin turns around and he's like, God damn it, Solario. He like, knows immediately which one, too. He's like, yeah, that <laughs> habit of like fucking digging your nails into your hand, it's her. Right. And it's so good because Robin is immediately like, oh, fuck, that looked bad. <laughs> that looked real bad. Like, I know how I meant it, right. but she's not going to read she it that way. She didn't see it. Oh, fuck. <laughs> And Kay is like, you are correct. I am very angry <laughs> I am at you. P-O'd. And now I know, obviously, you love this incredibly beautiful fae woman. I am just a very conventionally attractive human girl. <laughs> I'm a pixie. I'm nothing. How could I compare? You like the queen, not the poor chick. And, you know, it's very, it's very good in the angsty respect. It's just so funny because it's like, she saw him making a chess move. And he's like fuck (laughs) you weren't supposed to see that not because i love her but because i was making a move not on her Mm -hmm. but against her and i can't explain that because then she'll know fuck me right and robin knows like how much it's going to hurt Kay, and he hates that so yeah Kay is like i'm a pixie Sometimes I have these urges, you know, (laughs) these urges to hurt men who are very into me. So yeah, she pretends to use his fairy name to command him to do what she wants. 
I love that she uses the wrong name, though, as like, mm-hmm. I can't talk to you right now. I can't explain because there's this outsider here. Right, but she is a good person, so she's not going to fuck him. Yeah. Not in a political sense. Yeah, not in the I'm going to give this name. Because, like, she extracts a promise from the queen, but really, what is a promise from the queen? Right. Like, there aren't a thousand ways that she could get around to that, you know? Someone else here could tell the name. There are other girls who are listening. Mm-hmm. So, Kay pretends to use Robin's real name to command him to do what she wants. So, in the meantime, Corny has murdered the guy who cursed him. I love that. Because he realizes that his destructo hands work on fairies. And he's like, you dumb motherfuckers didn't even think to inoculate yourselves. <laughs> right? He's like, hey, Dare, what's up? Yep. And Adair tries to stab him. And Courtney's like, I'm going to disintegrate your neck with my fingertips. No, the best part is, is Lu- Luis showed up. And so Adair turned on Luis. Oh, that's right. And so Corny, like, I think Corny would have still used it on a dare as a, like, threateningly, but I don't think he would have attacked him. I don't think he would have gone as, as far as he did, because he just, like, a dare was threatening to put out Luis's other eye. And, like, Corny comments, like, he put his, his finger, like, right up near his eye, and then he just, like, he, like, lost his shit. Mm-hmm. Right. Because the, Corny, if it's not been clear, uh, has a thing for Luis. Yeah. And so he he wants to protect him. Yeah, he's like, nope, not my new boy. Right, and again, empathetic dude yeah. doesn't want Luis to be hurt by the Fae, like Janet, you know? Yeah, and it, this would absolutely be because Corny threatened him, so. Bye, Adair, you dead now. Yep, so Corny kills Adair. Uh, that causes a big kerfluffle in Solario's court. Kay has to sort of maneuver to protect him. She just, like, grabs a fiend. Oh, yeah, that's right. She takes Robin's sister hostage and they fuck off at a ferry because Solario, for some mysterious reason, <laughs> will not kill Athene to get to Kay. And of course, Robin won't because it's his sister and he loves her. Yeah. So they escape back out to the real world. And now, oh, fuck, we're in it together now. We all just fucked over the queen of the Sealy Court <laughs> and also the king of the Night Court. So that's not yeah, great. Yeah, we just stole a courtier who happens to be important to both. Fuck, 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 fuck. So they run away back to Corny's house. In the meantime, Kay dips back to see how her mother and her self, human self, are getting along. Uh, no, she doesn't. She doesn't. She goes back there to get some of her stuff, I think, like check on her rats and whatnot and oh, get a change right. of clothes. They just happen to be there. Because they don't know the time moves differently. Yeah, that's right. They don't realize that they've been gone longer than they thought they've been. But there's, okay, I'm not going to lie. I did tear up oh. at the the part where Kay talks to her grandmother for a little bit. She's trying to get out without being noticed. Her talking to her grandmother was so sad. And the, the lie Ellen had to make up. Oh, I know, right? Like, you don't really think about it. You think you're just going to be grateful to get your child back and not how to explain that the child is seven years old and you are just now bringing her home to mom? Right? Like, I think she's like four or five, maybe. But she's still like, had to make up this lie about the dad being, you know, has gone to rehab and she never told me about this kid. And like, does that mean she never told Kay? Did Kay know? Blah, blah, blah. Like, wow. Just suddenly here's this kid. Surprise child. Yeah. 
I think they've moved her into Kay's room. Like, all of Kay's stuff is gone. They had to move the rats away because she said the rats kept talking to her. (laughs) And she's in, like, Kay's shirt. So, of course, Kay feels like she's been replaced. She's like, well, this is as it should be. I am a monster. Mm. And I do not belong here among the humans Mm. who love me. And she feels bad, too, because she's like, oh, fuck. Ellen was just getting her life back on track. She had an apartment that was hers with not a no boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And she was doing well. She was working and doing gigs, not just gigs. And then I just dropped this fucking child into her life. <laughs> Explosion of consequences where Kate was like, fuck, I thought I was doing the right thing. Yeah. Oh, I love the consequences. So she's trying to leave the house without being noticed. And her mom runs out after her. And she's like... K, middle name, Fierch, you get back here. <laughs> and Kay's like, oh, fuck, she's using mom voice. Yeah. And uh, her mom tells her, like, you're still my daughter. I was not expecting it. It's so good because, like, this is a human being. and She's raised Kay for 17 years yeah. and she's her fucking daughter. She even says it. She's like, I realized when I got her that you had to have done something foolish. She's like, you did something to get her back, didn't you? You did something ridiculous and you got her back, right? She's like, yeah. And she's like, see, I know you. He's like, you're my kid. And Kay, you know, gets to be like, okay, I both did the right thing and my mommy still loves me. It works out great. So Kay goes back to Corny's house. In the meantime, they have been sold out. Dun, dun, dun. Dave sells out their whereabouts when um, Luis tries to contact him. I like that he was supposed to get on a train to Long Branch and hang with Val, but he didn't do that. Yep, he was supposed to be babysitted by Val. And they set it up pretty well. They're like, he doesn't always do what I tell him to. He obviously cannot be trusted. Right, like, like, if he gets on the train, he'll be with Val. But if he gets on the train... Mm-hmm. And he does not. He goes to the Fae. He says, I will tell you where my brother is if you give me some never. Give me the drug. They do. He sells him out. They send some Seely Fae to collect Athene. They give up Athene because they don't want Dave to die. Yep. Uh-oh. They already killed Dave. It's a message to you, human. <sighs> don't fuck with the Bright Queen. It sucks. Because you know... Luis is so smart. He's so clever. If it wasn't Dave, I think he would have been like, "Show, I want to see my brother. I want to know he's okay. And then we'll make the trade. Like, if, But it's his brother and he is so reactive that he's just like, I'll give you her and you give me my brother. Because he knows how fairies work. Like, that's a deal. Sure. We get her. You get him. Deal. Except they're fae. He's dead. So they give him the corpse. Yep. And it's devastating Luis's fucking ruins. It's so sad. And so he goes to Corny and he takes his destructo hands and he's like, touch me. I failed. You know, I no longer have a purpose in life and I want, the last thing I want to feel is your hands touching me as you murder me. Right, like I've wanted you to touch me and you might as well now. Yep, it's going to be the last thing I ever feel. But oh no, it turns out that Luis is, is crying salt, salty tears I like onto Corny's hands, which break the curse. Yeah, I thought that was a good, a good fey way of doing it. Because otherwise Corny wasn't going to fucking break his curse. Right, because they were talking about like he'd have to go to the ocean. And, but like, they're not far from the ocean, but still, he didn't want to do it. <laughs> it made him special. 
Courtney was dealing with some stuff, you know? Yep. But yeah, no, the Luis's tears break the curse, and so he doesn't end up hurting Luis. Uh, and they acknowledge their mutual admiration for each other, which, like, it's been a day, kids. Yeah, right. Give it some time. But you guys deserve something nice. Seriously. The two of you. I don't know if Luis is bi, pen, or gay, but he's at least interested in Corny. He's like, hey, kid with the black dyed hair, and the leather <laughs> jacket, and you're tall, and you got freckles, and you don't trust the fairies. I'm sure Corny is extremely impressive to Luis in a way that Corny does not anticipate. Neil. I like Neil. <laughs> yep. So, Kay realizes, oh yeah, I'm smart and that's like my thing. <laughs> I'm clever. She realizes, like, why would they want Athene? Right, because they came for Athene, not her, who knows Robin's real name. Right. Wouldn't they want Kay? Like, Solariel doesn't care about people. She doesn't have feelings. <laughs> so, Kay realizes, like, oh, they want Athene because Athene is important to Solariel's plot. And that means that Solariel is going to have Athene be her champion. And because Robin is just a good dude, obviously he's not going to kill his sister, probably. Probably he'll just let her kill him. Probably. That's what Solariel is banking on. So, yes, Kay realizes, oh, I was just a red herring. I love that, like, the word red herring had come up earlier in the book. I love that Kay gets a moment to be like, oh, it kind of feels bad that I'm not important to the plot. <laughs> right? Me, the protagonist. That I was duped. She was. And so she's like, oh, shit. Well, I also know Robin. And I also know that he's probably not going to murder his own sister. Probably. probably. <laughs> probably so they know where the battle is taking place because of something i forgot to talk about i don't even know what it was the point is that they know where the battle is taking place so they run out to the island and Kay is like i gotta talk to robin and rosa's like no you don't because it's tradition you can't talk to robin unless you've solved his unsolvable riddle and Kay's like i solved it <laughs> and I love that she like leaps into the air and then she drops down in front of Robin and Dilkamara's like, dude, we just talked about this. <laughs> You're not allowed. And Kay's like, no, 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 shh, 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 shh. I love I that Robin's this. like a fucking bride on his wedding day being like, I can't see you. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. And I also love that Robin's like, no, no, let her talk. That's like Robin's catchphrase. Right. No, no, I would like to hear this. <laughs> and Kay's like, I can lie. And Dulcamara or somebody. I'm going to uh, say that I all of Robin's Rummel. knights are Dulcamara. No, no, no. It was Dulcamara. Oh, okay. <laughs> and Dulcamara's like, no, you can't. And Kay's like, you calling me a liar? And Dulcamara's like, oh, shit. Well. That satisfies the requirement. <laughs> Everybody check that off your sheet. No, I just love her. She's like, well, either I can lie and therefore we've we've solved it, or I can't lie and you're lying. So in either case, ta-da! And uh they're like, Well, I I guess you're the consort now. Oh, we forgot to mention, like, in the beginning that like there was a whole bias about Kay being the consort because she was not gentry. Yeah. Even the court of serial killers and sociopaths were like, No, no, no. There's an order to things. 
And Madam. you are not it. You're a fucking pixie. They found you at a gas station somewhere. <laughs> this is a gentry. <laughs> Don't touch him. <laughs> How dare you touch this boy? He was born in fairy. Look at Changeling. him. White hair. So pure. Oh, God. Get your green ass away from me. <laughs> and Kay's like, ugh, rude. But also, you're kind of right, because I do have issues with self-esteem and stuff. So, like, I can see where you're coming from. And I'm drunk, so. Right. So there's been this whole bias against Kay being Robin's consort, because she's just a pixie. But you know what? She fucking answered his riddle, so guess what? Y'all binded by the fucking rules that you made. (laughs) Now she's She's your fucking queen. Get over it. Okay. But before we move further on this bit. Sure. Roman had gone to New York and talked to the troll who makes mannequins, changelings, mm-hmm. and whatnot. And I kept being like, when is that going to come into play? Because I knew he was making a deal about, like, the exiled fae and whatnot. But I kept thinking it was important that he went to this particular one. Mm-hmm. That he was going to, like, ask him to make a changeling that no one could see through easily unless they were super powerful or whatever. And that never came up, so I just want to say I was very disappointed. <laughs> you were waiting for something cool to happen. I was. I was waiting for something cool to happen, and that thing didn't happen. No, just in the most general sense it happened. Yeah, it was just, oh, okay, I made a deal with the exiles. Fine. But I'm like, but you went to this one in particular. And you did talk about his profession for, like, a couple of sentences. Yeah. So, like... It seemed like it would be relevant, but it was not. I guess it would be too on the nose for him to go to Ravis. But I wanted that. Yeah. I mean, Ravis does get mentioned in passing a couple of times. He gets described as, like, a tall troll with long black hair. Yeah, he's there in the scene where all of the exiles assemble, and then he's there at the end. Exiles assemble! Yeah, it's it's like <laughs> Kay being mentioned in passing in Valiant. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that makes sense, because, like, Robin doesn't know who the fuck this guy is. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't know you. I guess it would make sense to talk to him, but still, 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 I wanted something with the mannequins. I wanted something. Because it feels like, and I think somebody even speculates, like, oh, Robin went to speak to, like, the dude who makes the armor or whatever. Maybe he has some sort of trick up his sleeve. And, like, he does, but it's just sort of the general concept of unity. Yeah. And not, like, a sweet sword or whatever. (laughs) As opposed to, I have worked with these people and paid them. (laughs) No, Robin, Robin is just like, what if... You weren't exiled anymore. <laughs> and they were like, no, I'm super into that because being here hurts me in my soul. Being here sucks. Yep. So Kay's like, all right, I'm your consort now. Whatever. You have to listen to me. Robin, Solariel's going to fuck you over. And Robin's like. Obviously. Yeah, but I'm me and I got to be me. You know, <laughs> like I got this. No, you don't got this. <laughs> right. And so. Long story short, uh, Solariel does in fact send Athene out to fight for her as her champion. Which at least he was aware of. Right. And Athene is just like, uh, I don't. Like, I love the way it's described. Like, she can't even hold the sword up. <laughs> she's such a fucking bright court lady where she's like, yeah. it's too heavy. <laughs> it's like, I can't. Like, it's no, my wrists, they don't work that way. 
And Robin's just like, well, you know what? I may just be that much of a bastard now, you know? Sorry, I made myself ice like they asked me to. Right? Like, it's it's the fate of my people versus my sister. Like, I do love you. But you did kind of treat me like shit when you came to visit. You did. And, like, you are working for the lady that abused me. So, you know. I love where she's like, I cut my hair short when my brother died. And he's just like, but I'm right here. I know, I know. And the way that, like, she continuously stands for Solario when Robin is just like, she sent me to this. No, no, she couldn't have known. She couldn't have known how bad it would be. I'm glad that we got to this because I highlighted something and I love it and I'm going to read it. So hold on. It's one of the times where Athena is arguing with Robin and she's trying to be like, no, Robin, you're better than these night court monsters. And Robin's like, is it not enough what I have done? Is it not enough to have cut the throat of a Nyx that dared laugh too loud or too long before my mistress? Is it not enough to have hunted down a hob that stole a single cake from her table? Is it not enough to have been deaf to their entreaties, their begging? Nick Nevin commanded you. Of course she did. Again and again and again she commanded me, and now I am changed, Athene. This is where I belong, if I belong anywhere at all. That's so good. Yeah, even he's questioning his his spot. But just like the idea that like, yeah, she told me to over and over and over again for seven years. Yeah. And that changed me. I'm not who got sent away. I had to do these things. Yep. It's it's very much a soldier going, they were orders, but I still followed them, didn't I? Right. And even just the idea of like, you were abused or whatever. And it's like, even if it's not my fault, yeah. that still changed me as a person. Right. I'm not able to just shut this out. Glad right? that you can shut out a thing that didn't happen to you. Right. Athene is like, nah, you should just be able to like take a shower and go home and keep <laughs> fucking this queen who sent you to do this for seven years or however long. God. Ugh. And uh, Robin is just like, that is not how this works. Like, I belong here now. Maybe. Themes. Maybe I don't belong anywhere. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So finally, Athene sees that Solariel sucks and she will sell you down the river if it advances her cause. Hundo percent. Robin has Athene on the ground because the agreement is that if Robin wins, aka deals a mortal blow to Athene, or deals a mortal blow to Solariel's champion specifically, yes, 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 then Solariel has to give his sister her crown and make her queen. Now, the Unseelie is won by killing the previous one. The Bright Court, the Seelie, is passed on. Theoretically, like, this isn't all manipulative bullshit. Yeah, I mean, they all just fucking, like, SK points out at one point, she's like, good, gotta change the rules of the game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, Robin has Athene on the ground, and he's like, you're not going to be alive <laughs> when you're queen. You get to name your successor, because I have beaten you, but I haven't murdered you yet. Really, I'm about to stab you. Tell me who's going to be queen after you. And the whole thing is that Solariel is banking, either way, on Athene giving her, like, the crown back or, you know, keeping yeah. the crown. And Solariel's like, whoa, 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 whoa,
she is the queen. Right, like you named her your successor. And I'm about to kill her, so she gets to name her successor. It sucks that you want to change the agreement now that you're no longer favored, huh? And, you know, I don't remember who, but somebody is like, so are you going to do it or not? And Solario's like, absolutely not. I Mm. want this crown. I'm not going to let her name. Oh, it's not even that, like, she's afraid Athene won't name her her successor. She's like, I will not be named a successor by a fucking poor. Yeah. Someone who kneeled before me. Yeah. She's like, no, 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 no. I don't even care if that's how I keep my crown. I'm not going to get it from her. That's gross. It's going to have dirt on it. Yeah. She's basically just like, you won't get my crown. Nope. The the arrogance of the aristocracy. Oh, they're the worst. <laughs> but they're so good at being the worst. That's why I like Faye. Of course. Yeah, no, she's awful. And she's like, I won't take it. The fucking contract is void or whatever. I've got more people than you. We will fucking murder you. And Robin's like, mm, do you do though? You, do you though? And this is where we find out that he has made deals with all of the exiled Fae. They will become unseely Fae if they back him in this play. Oh, look, our forces are matched. Fucking checkmate. So Solario's like, give up your crown or I'm gonna murder your girl. And Robin's like, oh, let me think about that. I am a bastard, so I may do this, but I do need a (laughs) moment to consider this. And because her knight was too busy keeping a pixie hostage, he's not <laughs> able to protect her before, like, little limp-wristed Athene is able to stab her in the fucking chest. I love it. They have a brief debate about, like, who gets the crown because Athene is still technically her successor, but, like, she did also kill her and that's gross. Like, she she did both get it through the bright court way and... The night court way. (laughs) Yep. And Athene is like, because I love the description, like Robin like rips it off her head and he's like picking like Solario's hairs off it. Yeah, because he cuts it off Solario's head. (laughs) He's like, I'm going to take my jacket. I'm going to scrub the little bit of blood off of it for you here. But it just puts more on there. (laughs) Athene doesn't want it. No, she doesn't. But he gives her the crown anyway. And Athene is like... All right, I'm going to take this, but I do hate you because you ruined my life and made me realize that this lady was trash and I was happy with my illusions. And Robin was like, acceptable. I will take it. You're still alive. It's fine. Well, he gets in a fucking fight with Telephone. Oh, that's right. That's right. Because he's like, all right, we have to have a fight. Let's do Everybody's this. here for a duel. Let's <laughs> give him a duel. Holly Black's like, I promised y'all a duel. Okay, fine. Here you go. <laughs> the one that we should have had from the beginning. Yep. And Robin at this point has been like stabbed. Like he's not in great shape. But they fight. He has Talithane like he's about to murder him. But then Robin's like, no, no, no. I'm a nice dude. Let him go. And everybody's like, dude, this is stupid. He is just going to come back and murder you. And Rob's like, no, no, no. There may be more books. Don't worry about it. Yeah, but there are not. There are not. And it's like, but Robin is like, no, I'm a good dude. I get it. I murdered his queen. I've been there. Trust me, buddy. (laughs) I would would act the same way if I was you eight years ago. Yep. The final thing he says is that like, oh, wait, no, Athene gives up the crown, doesn't she? Yeah, because he ends up the king. Right. Like I said, she doesn't want it. And that's why Chalathane is like, we're going to fight about it because I won't fucking follow you. Right. And I love how, like, 
Roybin's fucking um, advisor shows up and is like, technically speaking, we're following uh, night court rules. So, welcome to the court of termites, y'all. Yep. So, in the end, Robin is king of both the Unseelie and Seelie courts. And all the exiles. And all the exiles. He has united the nations. <laughs> and the last thing that he says is like, I will be better than she was. Yep. So, like, I love you, buddy. I don't know if you can do it because these are a court of monsters. These are now a court of serial killers and pretty serial killers. <laughs> But you're gonna do your Ugly best. Serial and you're killers try. and pretty serial killers. <laughs> you're gonna try, and that's all you can do, hon. Great. So at the end of it, Kay has sort of gone back to her mom, and she's kind of trying to live with both her mom and in fairy. And she talks about how she wants to open a cafe. Yep, moon in a cup. And she wants Corny to work there with her, and she wants Louise to work there, and they have their own, like, this honestly sounds like the premise of a fucking urban fantasy series, where you're like- Oh yeah, this is the this is the coffee shop AU. Yeah, and he's like, we'll have an office where Louise will be, like, a fake private detective. It's such a and teenager like, dream, and I love it. <laughs> it is. It's like, Louise will cure people's curses, and you'll be there too, Corny. Because you can work on the computers. Yes. And Kay is like, I am a fairy, but I'm also human. And she and Robin have a discussion about how, like, Persephone, the underworld, six months above ground, six months below. Yeah, she wants to be part of both. Yeah, so she's going to split her time between the human world and time with Robin. Robin is going to do the same thing, splitting his time between the bright court and the night court. Mm-hmm. The The end of the book, as the end of Tithe, is the burial of Dave. Yeah. The characters from Valiant and the characters from Ironside and Tithe gather together to bury Dave on the island where they had the fight because that's also where they bury like unclaimed bodies and that's where their parents were buried. The friendless dead. Yep. And Kay has a moment there to like be like, all right, this is our future. Like, this is what our lives are going to be like. We have adjusted. We are of both worlds, etc., etc. And then Robin is like, all right, but I'm going to need you to spell out for me how you solved my unsolvable riddle, because I and the audience are very confused. I'd already figured it out, but I was happy to hear it. (laughs) So Kay says, oh, yeah, that's easy. And then she lies down on the beach and she says, I'm a fairy who's lying. And like, okay, so at the very end of when I read this, I was like, well, that's kind of, that's kind of shitty. Like, that's, that's such a basic way to get around. Like, all right, it's fine, whatever. But then I was like, wait, what did Robin tell her? And so I scrolled back to the quest that Robin actually gave her. And the quest that Robin gave her was, find me a fairy who can speak untruths. Yeah, but everybody was just like, all right, good enough. I know. No, what I love about that is that Kay comes in and she's like, I can lie, you guys. And nobody's like, no, no, he said speak on truths. And Kay's yeah. just like, no, no, I said lie. No, 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 nobody says that. So my conclusion from that is that it's all bullshit. Well, I mean, it's not like there was any magic put on it. It was all just social. Right. And that's what I love was that 
you know, you assume that there's magic in this because it's fairies and, like, magical lying and shit. No. It's all that fucking system of, like, keeping the fucking class in their place. And Kay was like, you're not even gonna fact check to me. Like, that's not even (laughs) what he said. So Kay is just able to get around it on other people's laziness. I love it. It was super good. And I knew as soon as she said it, I'm like, (laughs) double entendre. (laughs) I just love it that it's not just like a technicality. It's like, no, this whole ceremony is bullshit. Yeah. Everything is just predicated on the belief. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So, yeah. Kay is going to split her time between the humans and the fairies. Robin's going to split his time between the bright court and the night court. Luis and Courtney get together. Everybody has kind of a happy ending, you know? Yeah. So, I was disappointed that Val was not important. And I'll tell you why. Mm -hmm. The end of Valiant, it sets it up like she's going to be important. Because she gets the sword from Ravis that Mm -hmm. is made of iron, human hands made it, no fairy can take it from her, he can't wield it against her, blah, blah, blah. Even in the short story, this Mm -hmm. sword never comes back up. Okay. So that's just like this hanging plot that's like, you could have wrapped it all together. You could have made it important, but you didn't. And it's fine. I I get that, like, I prefer, you know, Luis had his plot and things like that. That was good. That was important. But it Mm -hmm. made Val as a protagonist in the middle very weird to me. Mm -hmm. Because the first and the third books are so very strongly Kay's stories. Mm -hmm. It makes Val's story, like, why is this a part of a trilogy? So, like, I I definitely get... The weirdness of being, like, one protagonist, different protagonist. Oh, look, we're back to the first protagonist for the last book. Yeah, like, if it had been third protagonist, Mm -hmm. I think I would have been happier with it in that way. It's definitely, like, a weirdly formatted trilogy in that sense, where, like, to me, obviously I've read these before, so, like, I knew that we were not going to get a third protagonist. I knew we were going to skip back to Kay. So, like, to me, it's just sort of, like, the first three fairy stories that Holly Black wrote, and they're just yeah. sort of compiled together. Happen to be in the same world, same area. Yeah. But I definitely get what you mean in terms of like, well, that was a weird story. Like that yeah. girl just... And like they call it a trilogy, and mm-hmm. they say they're connected, and it's like they are technically. <laughs> mm-hmm. And what happens in book two can't exist without book one, because Maybury going back to the night court. If Nick Nevin or Nefamel had been on the throne, there's no fucking way Luis and Val would have been able to fucking go home. Right. So it's like, it makes sense in that way, but I would have almost preferred, I guess, a, a, a more just sort of this is all in the same world rather than like looping back to K in a three book series. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I don't know what Holly Black's plans were in terms of like, how many books she sold, or, you know, if it was just a situation of, like, oh, I've been writing the Spider-Rick Chronicles for, like, a couple of years, now I want to go back to the fucking modern fairy tale world, and, like, I want to talk about Kay again, or whatever, like, I don't know. Yeah, I have an idea on where Luis is going. 
Right. Like, I don't know if these were planned to be a trilogy or if it's just like, maybe I'll keep writing in this world for a while didn't... or what. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. I, I would be curious to know how this happened because as a first time through, as a trilogy, this fails for me. Right. It's definitely not like a culmination. Yeah. Val's plot doesn't matter in that kind of way. Like, it matters for Luis because of the stuff that fucking happens. It matters for Dave because of the stuff that happens. But at the end of this book, Val is still where Val was at the end of Val's story. And I I feel like that jives with the end of Valiant, honestly, because we talked about how disappointed we were that Val just went back to her normal life. And she's like, yeah. I'm going to go to college and I did all my missing homework from the three months that I was a homeless fairy drug addict and everything is totally normal again. Yeah. I was expecting more. I I was leaving it open in my head that this book could fix the ending, mm-hmm. the, the parts of the ending that were bad or disappointing. Like Kay's path, uh, it doesn't change, but like stuff changes around her, you know? Mm-hmm. Things are more solid. She has a better grip on her life. I know when we discussed the ending of Ty, there was this sense of like, your friend is dead, but you got a Mm -hmm. boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And we were not pleased. Where this one deals with the aftermath of that. And we also see more of it from Corny's perspective, which really helped. Right. This feels like a necessary step in Kay's story. Yeah, it feels like... The, you know, the end of Tithe was like, oh, I survived my first encounter with the Fae and, you know, I have a boyfriend now. And this is just like, oh, shit, I am a Fae. How does that affect my life? Yes. Yeah. It digs deeper into, like, everybody is like, oh, I interacted with the Fae and it changed my life. And how is, how am I going to deal with that? Where, as you said, like, Val is just sort of like, no, 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 I had my resolution. I'm fine. (laughs) Don't worry. I was a fairy tourist. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to give spoilers. We may get there eventually, so. Where? Um, I can't say for sure. I don't want to spoil it because it's like. But I need to ask, do you feel like you have a memory of Val coming back? I don't want to say because it was one of the things that I was very surprised about in one of the future books. Okay. And it made that book better for me, so I don't want to ruin that for you. Okay. I mean, currently my expectation is that this series is just these three books and the one short story. Mm-hmm. The short story sets it up in such a way that if some of her other stuff is connected, it wouldn't surprise me. Mm-hmm. Because they deal with the high courts. Okay. So, did any of your stuff deal with, like, a Prince Dane? Maybe. My memory is so bad. Of, like, Elfame? So bad. Yes. So, yeah, I'm not sure if it's the same one, or if she's just using Elfame as, like, the name of what she would call the High Courts. Who knows? maybe they're connected. Who knows? You know. Uh, anyone who's read it is like, la 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 Ollie, la la la. Alright, so overall, this book fails as the resolution of the trilogy because it was not really a trilogy. 
No, it's just a you know, series of interconnected stories. Yeah, it's just three books that are loosely connected. Slash story yeah. connected. <laughs> like, I'm glad you didn't say anything so that I could experience it on my own. But I think that, you know, for the sake of the podcast, if I was to tell someone, hey, I think you would enjoy these books, I would say there's a different protagonist in book two, but then it goes back to the protagonist from book one and book three, and some minor characters in book two are important to book three. Like, I would want to tell someone. Yeah. Um, like, but overall, I did enjoy the book. It was very fast read. I had to, like, slow myself down. I actually skipped reading it one night because I only had 40 pages left and was like, <laughs> oh, shit, if I read this tonight, I'm going to have finished it on Friday. So... Yeah, I I finished it unexpectedly on Thursday, and then I was like, oh, shit, I thought I had three more chapters. <laughs> no, no. But, yeah. um, Ollie, would you recommend this to another human being? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would. I've already recommended to um, the person who initially told me about Tithe, but pitched it in a way that wasn't... <laughs> Did, didn't didn't catch me so like i've already been like yeah go back check it out again it's a it's definitely a series that if someone likes Faye, i would be like check it out i have no idea how much a person may have read or not but it's good if you like fairy tales in general it does a lot of good stuff like i i liked the moment of of ruin picking k out of the lineup and knowing her immediately that that felt really similar to fairy tales of like you must choose among these one hundred maidens which is your true love and then being like oh, that one right there <laughs> like it's very very fairy tale it's very just steeped in it yeah obviously you cannot read this book alone <laughs> no 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 like I think you could skip the second book but you would lose a lot there's a lot in in Luis's character that is very important to learn. In book two, mm-hmm. but you could, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't lose as much as if you skipped the first book. Yeah, and uh, as always, Holly Black's writing is beautiful. Yeah, this is just where we live now. I know she does just such a good job. Everything feels so like uh real, lived in people that I'm familiar with. Life, it's just it's just so normal and natural, and I really like that. Yeah, I appreciate the effort that Holly Black goes to as usual, to let these characters be messy, but also to, like, specifically, like, thinking of the example of, like, Kay's mom, of, like, letting Kay's mom recognize her as, yes, a cuckoo, (laughs) but also my daughter. Right? You're my cuckoo. Well, I love that Kay, the whole time, doesn't know her true name and never does. Oh, yeah, that's a big thing where she talks about, like, a name fixes you in place. It solidifies you as a person. And Kay just being like, well, I don't have to be. Yeah, because she even asks Athene at one point, like, wait, you grew up in fairy. What was it like? And Athene just kind of brushes her off. And, like, it means that they had fairy parents. And, like, Kay has fairy parents, but clearly it didn't matter because she just got foisted onto this woman. And... I think at, like, the first page of the short story, Ludie Lou is, like, just born from a, a flower bloom one day. Just, like, rolls <laughs> out of the petals. Like, mm-hmm. so you can have parents. You can not have parents. You can know who you are. You can not know who you are. But, like, 
how do you get a true name in this world? I'm I'm fascinated to know. Do your parents know it? Do you know it? Do you come across it? And what if Kay's name that fixes her in place, she can't know until she knows who she is? And if that person is someone who dabbles in the mortal world and dabbles in the fairy world, presumably her true name would reflect those two worlds that she wants to be in. <laughs> It'd be great. Oh, it would be great if her true name was Kay, middle name Fierch. <laughs> and that's why her mom stopped her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I really like the idea of like, again, like the thing that appealed to me about the ending was the idea of fuck fairy magic. This is about you believing this tradition as opposed to this tradition having like real real power quantifiable real. power. Yeah. No, I love I like that she didn't ever know her her real name or true name. Right? So I just love the idea that like whatever Kay's true name is, like it would only have power over her if like her mom said it because she believes in like the authority of her mom's mom yeah. voice, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. So I I appreciate the kind of the the way that Holly Black paints it in that respect. Yeah. I like there's the one moment with, they call her Kate, the little one. Little yeah. sister. Yeah, where she's like, well, do you want to be, because she's like mad, she's like, well, you stole my name. And she's like, well, do you want to be Kay and I'll be Kate? <laughs> she's just willing to give it up because she's like, I don't know who I am. And it's like, you just, you're Kay. Like, I, I'm fascinated and would love to know how they switch changelings. Because that means anyone who is a changeling doesn't know their true name. And so, therefore, no one can ever hold, like, ultimate power over them. Well, and that would be interesting, too, about, like, maybe that's why they're so lower class, right? It's just, mm. like, they're not able to be controlled. Right? You're only gentry if you can actually be controlled. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, how about you? How do you feel about the, the book and then the, the series? I remember you'd said last time that this was, to your recollection, the one you liked the most. I When I finished this one... I don't think that I was as impressed as I was the first time, but, you know, talking about it and thinking about it again, like, there's obviously a lot of cool stuff going on here. I like the intent that Holly Black writes with, mm -hmm. um, talking about, like, the, the gentry and the class and the trauma and, you know, the arcs that the characters go through. Like, I appreciate all of that. It's It's very weighty, and I appreciate that she recognizes that and doesn't and doesn't in, like unintentionally write like a shitty book about like class and and trauma right. and stuff and then just pretend that it's not about that you know and yeah no i liked it i would definitely recommend these to people who like fae stuff and people who like good books because obviously holly black's writing is very good yeah all right well we did it ollie we completed another series, clap, 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 Yay! clap, for us. I'm so impressed. I'm most impressed, though, with Holly Black. Oh, of course. I'm so, I'm so glad that you liked it. Me too. Whenever people are like, oh, I hope you like this thing, I'm like, oh no, what if I hate it? Because I'm a curmudgeon. <laughs> right. So I'm, I'm very impressed with Holly Black. I'm glad that I liked all three books. All of my discussion about it failing as a finale of a trilogy has nothing to do with it as a book. Yeah, just, just, uh, how did that happen? Three books that were good. 
<laughs> I know, right? What is this? You know what I think, Ollie? Mm. I think it's time for some grade A shit. Some bullshit. I know you've discussed with me that, like, we've been reading a lot of books with really either on purpose or accidental weighty topics. Oops, all eugenics. (laughs) Yeah. Where most of our conversations have been more, I don't know, heady Mm -hmm. and like deep thoughts with Sinna and Ollie. (laughs) Not what we signed up for. Not what anybody signed up for. (laughs) We understand, Lisa, you guys. We get it. And you know what? We agree. It's time for some shit. Alright, we've already picked some ridiculousness. But we can't say it here because we have to do an announcement one for our patrons. So mm-hmm. if you um, want to know what ridiculous trilogy we're going to do, <laughs> that's the only hint I'm giving. I've given some other hints, but whatever. You have. They're never going to guess. That's the best part. But anyway, <laughs> if you want to know early, we will do a short little announcement for patrons. You can do that. We thank you. We thank all of our patrons for being here mm-hmm, with us. Mm-hmm. Can't believe how many of you there are now. I know. We love you. It's amazing. I, I want it's to great. just like have you all in a little room and chat with us about books and tell us what books you like and, and, and want us to get to and all that because we could. We might do that. Maybe. All right. Well, thank you for joining me on the Tully Black journey. I'm glad. That it was successful. Me too. Now, all of the people who've recommended Holly Black over the years, which is mostly you and Lois, <laughs> feel like, hooray, it happened, and it was good. Yeah. All right. Well, you can find me on Twitter at Olivia Hennis and the podcast at Backlist Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Endless underscore Run. You can also find us at Patreon, patreon.com slash backlist and chill where you can get episodes early if you are a patron and um we'll also say your name on the podcast yep we'll we'll do that except we're not gonna sing it because it's hard sorry most names are not singable sorry but maybe next time all right all right thank you so much we love you bye bye